So here's something I know about pretty much every one of us, whether you're watching online, listening, in down the road, or you're live in the room here today, every one of us, we've gone on a, some sort of a trip in our lifetime, an excursion, a getaway, a vacation, we've prepared and we've gone somewhere for maybe an extended amount of time. And as we've gone there, and you might already know this, the, the hardest thing sometimes about going on a trip is just getting out the door. It's just getting everybody ready, getting everything packed, getting everything prepared, and going out the door. Um, our family, and you'll know, you'll know what category you fall in, but we've got some overpackers, and we've got some underpackers, okay? So I love my wife, Jody, but when we were going on a two-day trip uh, last year, um, Two days, I mean, just kind of a weekend thing. I had packed my bag in the car, packed it in the back, and getting everybody else's trying to get situated. And I go upstairs, and I ask my wife, I said, are, are you packed and ready to go? And she was like, almost, I'm just finishing up some things. And she says, but there's some bags there you can grab. And I, I said, oh, yeah, and I look over, and there's these two bags. One of them was a suitcase the size of a Honda Civic, and, and the other one was a bag about as big next to it. I said, Jody, I already packed my bag. The kids are packing their own. You didn't need to pack for all of us. She said, no, I didn't. I just, that's mine. I said, well, now we got bigger problems. So uh, I said, uh, we're not going for two weeks. We're going for two days. You know that. Oh, yeah, I know. She goes, listen, when I, I just, I just pack a little extra because when I get there, you know, I don't know what I'll want to wear. I don't know what kind of mood I'll be in. And I said, if you keep packing like this, I know what kind of mood I'm going to be in. So I'm like, I'm like, what are you? But this is so much. So then we have that, and then our family has the other extreme. And, and, and Jake is a teenage boy, so this probably isn't like that weird of a thing for teenage boys, but they uh, underpack. I swear, we could, pack, we could go on a two-week vacation. Jake would come down with a duffel bag half full. I'm like, Jake, what do you got in here? He's like, two pair of underwear, four and a half pair of socks, you know, shorts. We got shorts. We have plenty of shorts, and Oh, God forbid we forget the Nintendo Switch. So, I mean, the, I, I tell Jake, here's the good news. When you run out of clothes on day three, because simple math says you will, when that happens, your mom's got plenty. She'll have plenty. You might look weird, but I mean, I'm just, who, who are the overpackers? Can you, can you just, yeah, or point to an overpacker. Bryce? Yeah, I, that doesn't, sh okay, so... Anyway, the hardest part of a journey is getting out the door. You and I were going on a journey for the next 21 days. A, a journey of intentional prayer and fasting. And, and I, I'm telling you something. If this journey, if you will go on it, if we'll go on this together, it will impact your life. It will change you in some capacity, I can promise you. We, we do this because it's the beginning of the year, and we're dedicating ourselves to the Lord. We're saying, God, this isn't our year. This isn't my year. This is your year. Because if it's your year, that's good for me, and that's good for you. So last week, if you joined us for the message, you know that we talked about prayer and fasting and what it does in your life. That prayer attaches you to God. And that fasting detaches you from the world. This is a good thing for you. This is a good thing for me. And, and, and we kind of wrapped those things up in Scripture and said the overarching Scripture for the, for the series, Fast Forward Faith, is Romans 1, or excuse me, Romans 12, 1 and 2. I'll read it just to refresh our memories. 
Paul's writing to the church in Rome, but also to you and I for this present day. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you, give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. I don't know if you recognize all that God has done for you, but he's doing things for you. He's done things for you. Let them, your life, be your body, be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly, I love this, this is truly the way to worship him. Verse 2. Don't copy the behaviors or customs of this world. But no, let God transform you into a new person. Say new. New person by changing the way that you think. Then, it is then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. I love how verse 2 says that again. But let God transform you into a new person. Like, I'm just going to say it. If you want this year to truly be new for you, if you want to experience new things, if you want to experience new opportunities, experience a new beginning, then you must, I'm encouraging you so desperately, you must go on this journey. You must, let's pack our bags and get out the door and do 21 days together. There's something about corporate worship, corporate fasting, corporate, like, like togetherness, that we do it. Now, we might all not do it the exact same way, but the fact that we're all doing it, there is such beauty in that. There is power in that. And I'm going to show you that. So the main scripture today is in Luke 2. So that's a, the, the New Testament after Jesus came to earth as a baby and after is what we call the New Testament. And Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all tell the story of Jesus' life. Luke, of course, one of those gospels. So go in your Bible or go on your mobile app. And if you don't have those, man, bring them. But we'll put it on the screen as well. If you're a church person, you probably hear Luke 2 and you think, oh, I know, I know Luke 2. It's, it's the Christmas story, right? That's, what, that's the birth of Jesus. But the reality is the Christmas story didn't end when they wrapped Jesus in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger. Like, you're still living it. I'm still living it. We're still right in the center of God's story. Um, but the, the story that you're going to hear is unique. I mean, I, I don't want to say it's unique. It's in the word of God, but you maybe haven't heard it as much as other stories that you've heard preached. I've never preached on what we're preaching on today. And the story centers on two people that met Jesus. Because who do we know that really met baby Jesus? We know that, well, Mary and Joseph, right? I mean, they were at the birth. I know Mary was there for sure, and we're going to assume Joseph was. Um, the shepherds, the shepherds met baby Jesus. We know that because the angel showed up and they ran to go see Jesus. But who else has up to this point that's listed in Scripture? And don't say the three wise men, okay? Don't do that because that's a whole other topic, and you know that. So they hadn't met Jesus yet. The, the next people that we know of in Scripture that are named in the Word of God are these two people. And don't blink because you might miss it. They're only mentioned in this Scripture. Luke 2, verse 25. At that time, there, were some, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was a righteous and devout man and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon Simeon, and he had revealed to him that that Simeon wouldn't die until he had seen Jesus, until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That God made him a promise. That day, the Spirit led him 
to the temple. See, when you're, when you're seeking God, when, you, when you're truly trying to follow God, he's going to lead you. He's going to prompt you. He, he leads Simeon to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present baby Jesus to the Lord, as the law required, Simeon was right there. Simeon takes Jesus into his arms and praises God. And this is what Simeon says. He says, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace. He's ready to go. He's, the, the, the promise has been fulfilled. I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for which people? All people. You're all people. You're included in that. Which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations. And he is the glory of your people, Israel. This is, this is so amazing. Verse 33. Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said about Jesus. That, that kind of gets me because why were they so shocked and amazed? They already heard what, who Jesus was and how special he was. I mean, the angel told Joseph, take Mary as your wife. Jesus is, you know, he's the son of God, the savior of the world. Mary was told the same thing. So they already know this. Why are they so amazed? You have to understand something. The proclamation of who Jesus is is just so otherworldly unbelievable. You could hear it a hundred times and still be amazed. I, if God told you your child was going to lead people into the light of God, like if I heard that from God, I'd, oh, I'd be like, first of all, God, listen, that's, that's all great, but, but I'm just trying to get my kids to take out the garbage right now. I mean, we can work up to saving mankind, but today, it would shock you. It would amaze you. They were amazed. Simeon then blesses them, and he says to Mary specifically, the, the mother of Jesus, this child, Mary is destined to cause many in Israel to fall and many others to rise. He has been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. As a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your very soul. Simeon, in this, in this quick statement, he goes from, from, from praising God to doing some prophesying about Jesus to Mary. And, and I won't park here too, too much because we, we haven't even got to the main thing yet, but you do need to understand that there's three significant things that Simeon just said. And, and they all they point to three things, a stone, right? A sign and a sword. So, so Simeon's saying that Jesus is the cornerstone. Many are gonna trip over the cornerstone. They're, they're not gonna see him. They're gonna stumble over him, over him because they're not looking for him, because they're not following him. And, and he will cause them to fall. Others, and this is, this is the camp that you want to be in, others are going to understand that is the cornerstone. And they are going to seek him. They're going to build a foundation, want to build on, on that solid foundation. That's what you want. Jesus is the cornerstone. Jesus is a sign. The Bible always talks about signs and wonders. Those would equate to miracles. Jesus is that. See, the miracle that you desperately have been waiting for is an event. It isn't a happening. It isn't a circumstance. It's a person. His name is Jesus. And last but not least, and this, is, this gets really heartfelt, but Jesus, and he's talking to Mary, Jesus is, well, well Jesus isn't the sword, but, but you're going to feel the sword. You're going to feel the pain. The pain as Mary and others would watch Jesus take his journey out the front door and travel three plus years to a bloodstained cross and a gruesome death. 
we continue the story from Simeon and enter in the next person in the story. Verse 36, Anna, a prophet, some translations might say prophetess. She's a girl. I mean, hopefully the name. But Anna, which means grace, by the way, I love that. A prophet was also in the temple. And you know what? Even before I continue, I'm going to say something. The fact that the Bible is declaring Anna a, a, a prophet. See, when you think of a prophet, when you think of prophecy, I think a lot of times we think about Oh, someone that foretells the future, someone that knows what's going to happen. And, and that's such a small sliver of what a spiritual gift of prophecy is. I, I mean, prophecy is like interpreting and, and having this gift of interpreting and, and knowing and declaring the word of God. That's what, pro, that's what a huge piece of prophecy is. Anna, this woman, a prophet. I love it because... Make no mistake, that is, one, that is just one more reason that, that why we at Meadows Church believe that God doesn't just call men into leadership and ministry, but he calls women as well, is one more reason that why in 2024, you're going to see women up here preaching from the, from the pulpit, preaching the word of God. Yeah, all, all God's ladies said, amen. It's, I, I love that, Anna, a prophet. So Anna is there, and it says, she was a daughter of Phanuel from the tribe of Asher. She was very old. I'm sure Anna doesn't appreciate Luke highlighting that, but for some reason, he felt like he had to. Her husband died when, when Anna had been married to him for only seven years. She's a widow. She lived as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple. This is crazy now. She never left the temple, but stayed there day and night, worshiping God. Through what? Hmm. With fasting and prayer. She came along just as Simeon was talking to Mary and Joseph. She began praising God. She talked about the child to everyone who had been waiting expectantly for God to rescue Jerusalem. Anna devotes her life to the, in the temple. Devote, I mean, she, remember the holy and living sacrifice we read about in Romans 12? She's that. She is living that, and she's worshiping, and you already know it. She worshiped through prayer and through fasting. How many times have we read that and just read over Anna so quickly and missed that? It's significant, and you're going to know why before we leave today. I promise you. Don't miss this. There are, there are many advantages to prayer, to attaching to God and fasting, detaching from the world. Many advantages. Like, you're going to be growing yourself closer to God over the next 21 days. You're going to hear more clearly from God if you truly listen and you truly seek him. You're going to, you're going to walk in step with him closer than maybe you ever have. Guidance from God, wisdom from God. But make no mistake, uh, of all those advantages, the number one reason, the number one purpose of prayer and fasting is to worship God. Above all else, it's not, to, it's not to get something from God. It's to be with God. This is why we pray. This is why we fast. But even as I tell you that, I want to recognize and be real with you. There are some people, that's not enough. That's, okay, great. I get to worship God. That's really not incentive. It wouldn't have been for me when I was first a Christian. It wouldn't have been. I, okay, great. I get to worship God. That's, I mean, what, 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 what's the advantage? What's so great? Because I'm always, we're always looking out for us, right? I'm always looking out for me. What's in it for me? 
I'm just being real. Plus, let's just acknowledge this. I, I'm hoping that there are non-believers in the room and non-believers that you don't believe in. Maybe you don't believe in God or Jesus. Maybe you're not into uh, religion or church. I, the day that we have everybody in the room, everybody watching, and they're all believers, and they're all into church is the day we failed as a church. You know what I'm saying? We're, we want to reach people and get people here so they can hear the word and decide for themselves by the power of the Holy Spirit if, if this what we're saying is true. So, so let's just say, oh, worshiping God. That's, you're like, oh, that sounds great, but that's not, that's not really incentive for me to fast. I want to give you a different, I want to just go, a, 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 take a little bit of a left turn because I, I want you taking part in this. And even if worshiping God isn't enough for you, and even if knowing that you're going to get closer to him, because you're like, maybe that's just, whatever, I, maybe I will, maybe I won't. What about the physical benefits of just fasting? Uh, this, this hopefully, like, if, if, if for no other reason, just do it for your physical health over the next three weeks and see what it does. It, it, you're going to be amazed. I, by the way, I don't want to assume you even know. You might not have tuned in last week. The corporate fast I'm talking about for us, and it's, it's not going to look the same for all of us because for some of you, it might be dietary restrictions or health restrictions, but I hope for you, you'll, you'll have a version that works for you and do, you'll do something different over the next three weeks. But for the, for the vast majority, you could probably handle this fast. And the fast and prayer, which starts today, by the way, is, is 21 days. There's a calendar online right on the homepage. Click prayer and fasting on the button on the homepage at Meadows Church. And it'll walk you through prayers and scripture. But, but Monday, Wednesday, Friday of, of the next three weeks, so tomorrow, Monday, um, we, we, we're going to fast from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. That means just liquids only. So... Um, 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. And if you need to modify it for whatever reason, modify it, but just do something different. But this is, what, this is the plan I'm going to follow, and this is what we're asking the majority who can do it to, to follow. So with that said, what are the physical benefits of fasting? And what that's called is intermittent fasting. It's a partial fast. You're, you're, you're fasting for part of a day. In our case, probably eating one sensible, right, meal. I'm going to go to the buffet. No, it shouldn't do that. So uh, one sensible meal a day. Here are benefits of intermittent fasting. I'm going to do this quick because you can research yourself online and find all this. So I'm just touching it for you because I want to, I want to, I want to give you incentive to do this with us. Intermittent fasting reduces insulin resistance and lowers blood sugar levels. Why is that a big deal? Because it lowers your risk for type 2 diabetes. Intermittent fasting improves many risk factors when it comes to your ticker, your heart, including your blood pressure, your cholesterol levels, your triglyceride levels, and inflammatory markers. Those are all real big words, but that, just know that all of that is for heart health. That it will help your heart when you intermittent fast. Now, are you ready to learn a new word that I learned this week? Yeah, let's do this together. It's fun. It's like English class. Woo! So, I got to think about it. Atophic. Somebody's like, oh, I'll tell you, autophagy. Say autophagy. Autophagy. If I'm, spelling, if I'm pronouncing that wrong, I don't, you just look it up later. So autophagy kicks in when you fast. After a certain time of not eating, your body kicks into what that's called, that, that process. And what that, what that fancy word means is your body kicks into self-preservation mode. And that's a good thing for you because the body starts to remove damage and dysfunctional parts of the cell and recycles other parts toward cellular repair. That is all good because that prevents diseases, neurological diseases, 
like, like Alzheimer's and diseases like cancer. This is why cell repair and, and cell uh, um, what repair and getting rid of the bad parts, as it says, is so powerful for your body when that kicks in. That, that happens through intermittent fasting. A few more. Promotes brain health. Okay? This is a good thing. I've done bad things to my brain cells growing up, and maybe you have too. So any, anytime I can help my brain, I want to do it. Intermittent fasting increases growth in neurons of new neurons, protecting your brain from damage. The next one, if, if, if nothing else has done it, hopefully this will. Intermittent fasting helps you lose weight. Can I get an amen? Amen. I mean, you're going to take in fewer calories, you're going to boost your metabolism, and that is how you can lose some weight. And if all of those things didn't do it, know this. Intermittent fasting can provide you with a nice car, with cool shoes, with more vacations. And you're like, wait a minute, Pastor, that seems like something you added. Well, you're right, I did. But it is true. Because if you're intermittent fasting, that means you're eating less like we just learned. You're taking in less calories like we learned. Groceries are expensive, Erwin. You know that. So you get groceries less, you have more money for nicer cars. You get it. So this is another reason that you should fast, just for the physical benefits. Even if Jesus isn't enough for you right now, do it for that and watch what Jesus will do in your life. I love this. I love when we worship God. It always benefits us. Don't miss that. When you worship God, you're like, well, what does worship God do for me? It does everything for you. It does everything for you. As you seek the Father, you don't think that pleases him? I mean, as you worship God, it's benefiting you. The primary purpose of prayer and fasting is to worship God. The primary purpose of prayer and fasting is to center yourself on God. And when you center yourself on God, you are preparing for all that he has for you. Let me show you. It's, it's, if, you if it's getting good, it's going to get better, I promise you. Simeon, let's go back to our story. Simeon was expecting Jesus. That's why he was, I mean, he was promised. The Holy Spirit said, you're going to see the Messiah, Jesus, before you die. He was expecting it. When's the Holy Spirit going to lead me to the temple? When am I going to see him? That was his mission. That was his purpose. That's what he wanted. Anna wasn't expecting anything. She wasn't. Simeon, Simeon didn't live in the temple like she did. Anna was just doing what Anna did. She was a widow. Widows had it hard back in the day, so she just chose to, I'm going to just seek the Lord. I'm just going to worship God. We know how she did it. Day in and day out, prayer, fasting, worshiping, not looking for anything. It's, it's, this is crazy. Uh, verse 38, I want to read it to you again. Just, or Anna came along just as Simeon was talking to Mary and Joseph. She began praising God. Can you imagine? She was, she's like, oh my gosh. He's talking about, wait, is that the Messiah? I mean, Simeon expected it. Simeon wanted it. He was waiting for Anna. I was like, don't think it was a coincidence that Anna just showed up. I'm talking, it was every, as Anna was seeking the Lord, worshiping God day in and day out, week in and week out, God was preparing her to meet Jesus, the Messiah, the Savior of the world, the King of kings and Lord of lords. God is preparing her for this. And, and, and God show, or Anna shows up. Listen, you may not know what God is preparing for you in your life. Like right now in your life, things may not make sense in certain areas. Like the Packers beating the Cowboys, no one will ever understand it. No one. We don't get it. 
<laughs> we do not. Un- you may not understand what God is doing, but look up here. As you seek God, I promise you, as you worship God, as you go after God, as you day in and day out like Anna, God is preparing things behind the scenes for you. God is setting things up for you. So key that he is working, he is moving. Not according to your timetable, according to his timetable, which by the way, is always perfect. God is moving. God, you, you gotta trust that, especially when you don't see it. But there's another reason that God would have Anna intersect with Simeon, Mary, Joseph, and Jesus that day. There, there's a reason besides just her preparing her and her doing what she's called to do and blessing her in that way. I'll continue with verse 38. You remember how the story ended? If you don't, this is it. Anna talked about the child to everyone. About to everyone who had been waiting expectantly for God to rescue Jerusalem. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Like the shepherds before who ran to go see Jesus and then told everyone about it. Anna tells tells about the child to everyone. Anna spreads the good news of Jesus for all to hear. And why wouldn't she? I mean, when you have the best news in the world, you can't help but talk about it, but share about it, but shout about it. Somebody can give God praise right now. You've got the best news in the world. Jesus, the Messiah, has come. This is great news. Anna knew it, and she didn't shut up about it. She couldn't. Rachel talked about the invite cards on your chairs. We will always be a church. I don't care if we're six years old, 16 years old, or 60 years old. We will never stop reaching out with the love of Jesus. We will never stop looking for the lost person. We will never stop inviting and loving and reaching and doing events like a Super Bowl party for people that would never step foot in a church, but they'd come for free food and football but they're getting around church people. They don't don't really care about that, know that, but they are. And anytime you get around people that are believers, the Holy Spirit can do what the Holy Spirit does. So the the Super Bowl party is huge, but just you inviting. Inviting people in general is huge. I never want you to lose that heart. Someone invited you, most likely. Some of you came through other means and other reasons, but I promise you, if you're a Jesus follower, you're a Jesus follower because you met another Jesus follower. I promise you. That's why. This is huge. God wanted the news of Jesus to spread. That's why he showed up to the shepherds. He knew they would spread the word. Anna, I know she'll spread the word. I know it. I got to tell her. So back to the main point. The number one reason we pray and fast is to worship God. By the way, that's your number one purpose. What we always talk about, we exist to lead people to Christ, and they're God-given what? Yeah. Your number one purpose, well, you've been hearing it the whole, the whole morning. Your number one purpose in life is to worship God above all else. You walked in here, I don't know my purpose. I don't know what I'm called to do. Now you do. That's it. That's number one above all else. Not because I said it. But because that baby that, they, that Anna met that day grew up and then he said it. Like when they asked him, Jesus, what, what do we do? What's, what's all important in the word? What, what's, what's the one thing? And Jesus said in Matthew twenty two thirty seven, 37, you must love the Lord your God 
with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment that you are to worship God, the Father, that you would glorify him. Your number one purpose is to know and love God. That is worship. Thursday, this Thursday, we're going to gather here and we are going to celebrate and worship as, as we celebrate the Meadows Church team releasing an album and all that God wants to do in and through that. And the team knows it ain't about them. They're just obedient and doing what God's called them to do. It is about the person that's going to listen and hear that. And God's going to move in their lives. And God's going to draw them in by the power of the Holy Spirit. So I cannot wait. You need to be here. I, th I believe, I, I'm, I, well, I, I think this is true. They're going to play every song on the album, on the new album. And, and right in the middle of the set, we're going to take some time and pray over each other. Just pray by yourself. However you want to pray, you can do it. But that's what the night's going to look like. It's going to be the entire album. Worshiping God through the whole thing. And right in the center of the set, we're going we're gonna to praise and worship him through prayer. It's going to be amazing. But understand something. When, when you leave Thursday night, or when you leave this morning, or when you click off online, or you shut off online, the worship doesn't stop. The worship doesn't stop. Worship, you know, you probably know this, but let me remind you. Worship is bigger than a song. Worship is bigger than a moment. Worship is expressing your love to God. That's what worship is. Worship is, is giving glory to God. Worship is declaring the greatness of God. Worship, worship isn't just something we do in the moment. It's a life that you live as you come and you go. You're at church or at work or at home or with your kids or with your friends at the bar. We're at, worship is a lifestyle. That's what worship is. We, we, we compartmentalize things in our life. Well, this is church and this is home. God says, no. There, there is that. There's you and me. And you're taking me into wherever you go. And I don't care what the arena is. That's what God wants. Anna's lifestyle was worship, prayer, and fasting. She didn't give God just bits and pieces of her life. But how, how many times did we do that? I'll point the finger at me, especially early on in my, my walk with Jesus. Oh my gosh, you guys. The things I would tell God, I'm surprised he didn't just, anyway, he should have. So, I would, God, I'll give, you, I'll give you a Sunday morning. I'll give you an hour, hour and a half. But that's, you know, don't be trying to get into on Monday or Tuesday. That's my time. I mean, these are insane things that I would think or say to God. Just crazy, I mean, crazy God, I, I mean, I'll talk about you at the church with the church people, but I ain't, don't be, I ain't bringing you up to my friends or at the bar or at work. No, no, no. God, I'll throw 20 bucks in maybe, but don't be trying to get more than that. I, no. God, I'll help change your tire if it's above 32 degrees, but you know what I'm saying? It's a little cold right now. It's just, I would negotiate. It was just insane. And in some days, I still think insane things like that. God doesn't want your life to be separated into compartments. He doesn't, God, he wants you to be, he wants, he want, he, take him wherever you go. And that it isn't work and home and that it isn't this or that. It isn't, well, those people, I'm going to be this person, but those people, I'm going to be this person. God says, you be who I've called you to be every step of the way, every minute of the day. 
We started with Romans 12, 1 and 2. There's a paraphrase by Eugene Peterson called the message paraphrase. And he, he took the Bible and writes it in his wording and stuff. So I like it sometimes because it, it'll give you the same premise, but in a, a, just a different, um, you know, a different take or, or, or verbiage. I'll read it. I'll read Romans 1, 12, 1 and 2 in that for you. Take your everyday ordinary life, you. You're sleeping and you're eating, going to work and walking around life. Place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God has done for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to culture that you fit into it without even thinking about it. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. I love that. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings out the best in you. He develops well-formed maturity. In you, worship. Here's what worship is to me. It's loving God by giving him all of you. That's a process. Some people, it can happen like Saul and went, became Paul. He did it very quickly. For me, it was just a, I like to make things painful for some reason. So it's a gradual process. And honestly, that's how it is for a lot of people. But the goal, God, you can have all of it. Because every time I take back what I take back, I will, I will mess it up 100% of the time. I will cause pain. I will cause conflict. I will cause struggle. Even as I read that, I thought about you and me. As I started the scripture, how Eugene Peterson writes, take your everyday ordinary life. For some of you, you don't even want to look at your everyday ordinary life. Because of what you've been through or what you're going through. Because of who you've hurt or who's hurt you. Things that were done to you that aren't fair. That is some things that you've done that you would be embarrassed that if other people knew about them. I got good news. God knows. And he waits for you with open arms. That, by the way, what I just said is, is the main reason that, that life recovery, that ministry, I cannot wait. February 1st. Ooh, that's coming quick. Thursday night, every Thursday, going forward, we're going to gather in the church. And if you've got issues, hello, there's hope. Can't wait for the ministry to start. For some of you, that'll be your next step very soon. Simeon told Mary, Mary, a sword's going to pierce your heart. Simeon, Simeon wasn't lying. Jesus, that baby, you know, would go to the cross. Most of you maybe know this story. God, I pray they hear it like they heard it for the first time now. Jesus would go to the cross and he would, he would take a burden that we deserve, but he took it because of his love for us and the Father's love for us and the Spirit's love for us. And Jesus gets hung on this cross and he gets nailed to a cross. He was 33 years old, Scripture says, when he gets nailed to the cross. A young man, you think, gosh, Jesus got a ton of life ahead of you, a ton of ministry, you're Jesus. But it was time. Don't wait to do what God's calling you to do. We're not guaranteed anything. 
Jesus does what he's called to do. He hangs on the cross. And here's what's crazy. After Jesus died on the cross, you know, he hung there for six hours. They wanted to make sure he was dead. So, so they couldn't break his legs because that would, that would refuse scripture. And you don't refuse scripture. Everything that scripture says happens. And if it hasn't, it will. And it said not a bone will be broken from his body. So they break the bones of the guys next to him. They break their legs. But by coincidence, they don't break his legs. They decide to pierce him with a sword in the side. God, God is... Hmm. So they pierce him and water comes gushing out, water and some blood and just really shows that he is a corpse. He is dead. And Mary would be there when this is happening with John and she's witnessing it. I just can't think. So this is, this is how much God is, loves you. Despite your messed up life and your messed up things you do and messed up things I do. That he not only allowed that to happen, he planned for it to happen. It's, it's crazy. So, so Jesus dies, and then there's mom. Now, 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 now think about this. If your child dies, if you're maybe a parent, or if you're not a parent, maybe a, a niece or a nephew, someone that you love, a child that you love dies, and if you're told over and over that child is going to come back to life in three days, and you're told by not just crazy people, but people that are credible, angels, deities, they're telling you this. You're hearing it over and over. Here's what I know about you. On that third day, just because there's a chance it could be true, you're wherever that, that kid is. You are. I don't, you can't, I know it. You're there because if, if by chance that angel was telling the truth or that person was telling the truth or that rock that spoke to me was telling the truth, I, if there's a chance, I'm going to be there for him or her. You would be. Here's how hopeless it was when Jesus died. Mary wasn't there. Maybe there's other circumstances. I'll know when I talk to her someday. Here's all I know. Three days after Jesus was a corpse, on that third day, when some women went to the tomb, well, there was Mary, but not Mary, the mother of Jesus. She wasn't there. Don't you think if she believed that Jesus was really going to rise from the dead, she'd be there? I do. This, you, the, the hopelessness and gravity of, of what Jesus, in that moment on the cross, the women that are going are going to go anoint his body because it's a corpse. That's what you do. So, what I'm about to share with you is the reason that we come back every week and the reason that I ask you, we ask you to invite others and the reason that you should do a 21-day prayer and fasting. And the reason that you should have hope leaving here today, despite how messed up maybe your finances are or how messed up your relationships are or your, your children are or your marriage is, that you have hope. Because here's what happened on the third day. Even though, even though mom wasn't there because mom is mourning and she is hurting and she is, her son's gone. The other Mary and some other women went to the tomb with their spices to anoint a body. And I always say, when they got there, nobody expected nobody. But here's the good news. When they got there, the women to anoint the body, that is exactly what they saw. Actually, it's what they didn't see. 
There was nobody. Why? Because Jesus Christ, that, that, that Jesus the Messiah, the Savior of the world, the King of kings and Lord of lords, was not there. Why? He had brought himself back to life. It's never happened before. The only God that's ever died and risen is the God that we worship. The God that we get. You can get louder than that. Can't you, church? We worship him. We love him. We praise him. If that event doesn't happen, you have zero hope. None. Good news, it did. So regardless of your messed up life right now, regardless of the mess you got yourself in, with Christ risen, there's always a way out. Because when Jesus walked out of the tomb, hope walked into your life. And you can have it today. You're saved by God's grace through your faith, believing the story that we just shared about a death that occurred that should have been you, but Jesus took your place and takes your sins from you if you receive it by faith. Most won't, the Bible says. Most won't do that. They'll go to hell. It's just, that's why I'm so grateful you're here. I'm so grateful you're watching, listening online. You're not most people. You receive it by faith, believe that Jesus is a sinless, spotless lamb of God, and you ask him to come into you and make you new. Forgive that mess that you've made. Forgive those sins that you commit. Forgive those lies, Monty, that you've told. For, forgive all the things, even the ones that you, you, you don't even want him to know about. He already knows. Ask him to forgive you and make you new, and he will. And you start to begin this new journey. Not an easy journey. Just, just, just a, just a purpose-driven journey with him in your life. His Holy Spirit in your body. This is salvation. And if you hear nothing else, you just heard that you can surrender your life to him today and have his Holy Spirit inside of you. Some of you, you've gone your whole life believing in Jesus. You just haven't surrendered to him. He still is, you're still apart from him. Even though you cognitively believe him in your head, he is not in your heart. It changes today. Surrender everything. And then after you surrender everything, we're going to worship here in just a second. We're going to worship. That, that wouldn't be right. We're going to sing and worship because that's a part of worship. And then we're going to worship through prayer up here where the prayer warriors are in there, wherever you want to be. My, my prayer has always been when, when church is over, actually church begins when you leave, but you get it. When this time is over, that most of the people would come forward instead of leave, that you'd pray for each other and with each other in the aisles, in the rows, in the coffee, buy a donut, in wherever, that we all need prayer and I also pray that you'll take that invite card and you'll invite, not just to a Super Bowl party, but to church, to, to the environment we're in. Because the gospel, here's my promise to you. The gospel that I shared with you about the death and resurrection of Christ, we'll share it every week. Because every week we believe that there's going to be people that are, are new or people that have come maybe for six years, but you've never surrendered. So there isn't a salvation weekend at Meadows. You're, you're in it. It's salvation Monday. It's salvation Tuesday. It's salvation Wednesday. It's salvation Thursday. The King of King and Lord of Lords loves you. Let's go on a journey together for 21 days. Let's watch what he does. Father, in the name of your Son, I lift up the people here today. I lift up those watching online, listening online, whether it's in the moment 
on this day, on this Sunday, or they're watching 17 years from now. It doesn't matter, God. I pray over them, God. I pray for your peace and your protection over them. God, I pray for your, your I, I pray that their surrender in us to your will. That we understand that worship isn't something that we, oh, we have to do. It's something that we get to do. And when we worship you, the, the, the blessings and the love and the response from you and what it's doing in us, we can't even fathom it. God, I pray people surrender to the gospel, that they're not just coming to church to hear another message and then go have some lunch and watch some football. Those aren't all bad things. But God, this is the moment, this is it, that people would surrender to you all in a holy and living sacrifice, not just on a Sunday morning, but give all of ourselves to you today, now. Thank you for our prayer warriors that are ready to pray with and for people. I pray people will stay because why in the world would you come to an environment where there's prayer, prayer happening all over the place? You desperately need it and then you leave without it? God, take away our pride. Take away our, our, our heart of, of maybe um, fear. Give us courage. Give us your will in us that we will, we will humble ourselves before you and for others and allow people to pray over us and over our mess and our children and our family and our finance and whatever it is. 21 days, God. I, I want to say 365 days, but, but we're starting here with 21. Because sometimes... The hardest part of a journey is just getting out the door. God, help us get out the door well. Overpackers, underpackers, those who seem to get it right, whatever. We love you, Father. We lift you up in worship, and we understand that isn't something that we do. That is a life that we live. We love you. We pray it in Jesus' name, and the church says, amen. Hey, I want to thank you so much for tuning in today. But don't stop there. Like or subscribe to this channel so you don't miss a single video, update, or message. And not only that, share this message with a friend or somebody that you know. So many people out there need hope and encouragement, and you have the ability to bring that to them. Finally, if you're in the Omaha area, we would love to have you join us. We would love to meet you. God bless you.